Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hello, my darlings. This is Jinx Monsoon, and you are listening to Flame On. What's going on, everybody? This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rug of Flame On. I'm here with Brian the Bear. Hello. And our very special guest, taking some time out of a very busy schedule, is the one, the only, Ms. Jinx Monsoon. How you doing, Jinxie? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. We're recording live uh, in the courtyard of the Parliament House, and you were here because they wanted to bring back the Vaudevillians, which was awesome. Ron and I got to see it in January when you did the one night only. Um, And we were so happy, so happy when we saw they were bringing it back. Um, So we went for the Saturday night show. And actually, I popped in. I did the uh, the meet and greet today on Sunday with you. And we were kind of shocked, but happy to see that the show had changed a little. Uh Not a lot, which there was some great, there's always some great jokes in there. You and Major Scales play off each other. So amazingly well. Yeah. Um, but the ending, and we won't give anything away, obviously. We yeah. want people to come and see the show whenever you're performing. But the show ending changed from the time that we saw it in January. Yeah. So, one, tell us a little bit about, if you don't mind, tell us how the show came about and how it's evolved to where you are at now with it. Well, what happened between the two shows is that we went to Australia for two and a half months and did the show for a non-American audience for the first time. Well, we've done it in Canada a couple of times, but like Canada, America, you know, like the culture and the cultural references are so similar. But um, we went to Australia and we just found that there was a lot of fat that we could trim just in kind of simplifying things a little bit. And we still wanted to have elements of the original show, like 
in the original show, there's a little bit more character development and there's a little bit more conflict on stage. We still wanted to have that present in the characters, but we kind of trimmed the fat a little bit and made it a, a more concise, more like well-packaged show. Um, and our hope is that one day we'll take it back to more of an actual theater or um, when we do it back in New York in the dinner theater setting where people can sit for a long, long time and enjoy their food and have multiple cocktails brought to them. That's the kind of setting that we can do the full length show in. But we found that when we're kind of doing it on tour um, and for more intimate venues, um, it's just better to keep it clipping along a little bit. <laughs> it didn't feel like we lost a lot. Yeah. Like we were talking about it, like it, the, t- the length of time seemed to be consistent, but it flew by. And he, both shows, when you did it the first time here in January, it, it felt the same way. It was like blinking, oh, wow, we're done already? Okay. <laughs> it definitely it captured your attention, but it did seem really streamlined this time around. Yeah, well, I was talking to two um, ballet performers today, um, and they perform with the Trocaderos, which is a drag ballet troupe. Male dancers that dance on point in female drag and um they asked me like how we got the show to be where it's at and we i talked about australia and how we've kind of trimmed the fat and stuff and i said that's really important when you're working on your own show you have to be willing to cut things you have to be willing to kind of kill your babies a little bit because it's part of the expression but <laughs> but it's kind of like when you create something you start to feel like every little teeny tiny bit is important. And that's one of the things that we found, you know, finessing the show over the last like year since we've started performing it more frequently and in so many different locations is that we have to treat, we don't have to treat every little moment like it's its own precious little thing that we have to do, you know, when there's ways to make the show work better as a whole. And, and when you know you can always create a new piece, you can always kind of like fold something up and put it away for later. And I don't think artists always realize that sometimes they want to cram everything into that hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And they're missing the opportunity of having a more complete, uh, fully realized, concise little package. <laughs> oh, that's, that's absolutely true. And one of the things that I'm going to kind of skip into this piece of it, because it seems like it was fawned from your working relationship with Major Scales... So when we were at the 10 o'clock show last night, you were part of the cast, you were talking about the album that has spawned from your working relationship yeah. called The Inevitable Album. Yeah. I loved your description of it. We were going to do one inevitably. Yeah. yeah. So how was that process? Like, and are you excited for the release? Because our audience will hear this after it's been released, but May 6th is the release date. Yeah. So how is it to actually have that now coming out into the world? Well, it's something we've always really wanted to do. It's certainly something I've personally always wanted to do because when I was a kid, like when I first started being able to buy my own CDs and I had my own CD player, I, um, (laughs) you know, like every normal 13-year-old boy, I went to the easy listening section (laughs) and bought all of Bette Midler's albums, you know? Um, But there was one album that always stands out in my mind, and it's called The Divine Miss M. And it's a studio-recorded album, but it's a lot of her, like, cabaret and bathhouse stuff. 
and she performs it as if she's performing it live. You know, it's not all super finessed and edited. It sounds like a live performance and it doesn't feel like it's artificially constructed, you know? And albums used to sound a lot more like that, like like it was a live performance in a studio and it hasn't been chopped to bits and auto-tuned and refined and all that stuff. So I really had that as my inspiration with the album. And um, I selected half of the songs, so half of them are covers, or, um, uh, well, one of them is a song that, it's a parody uh, that I do to Ladies Who Lunch from Company by Songheim. And then um, there's another uh, Seattle composer, John Woods, who did a song for us. And then Fred Schneider of the B-52s wrote a song for us after we met him in New York. Um, And then the rest of the song, so the other 50% of the album, is original songs by Major Scales. And some of them he wrote specifically for the album. Some of them are my favorite songs that he's had written for a while. But the process was really nice because we lived together. I would just come up with an idea and I would say, I really want a song that sounds kind of like this and has to do with this subject matter. And I would really just put it in his hands and he'd write something and show it to me. And then we'd tweak it and work with it together until it sounded like a song that was kind of both of our voices in the song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good example of one of those is that. Um, I just loved the monologue that Joan Cusack does in Adam's Family Values. And I was sitting there with my drag sister, Benda LaCram, and I just kept saying, how do I turn this into a number? Do I lip sync it? Do I perform it live? Do I do I try to like sync it up with a video somehow? And, and she goes, no, you need to turn it into a song. And I like screamed and I ran to Richard's room and I was like, what if we turned... Debbie Jelinski's monologue at the end of Adam's Family Values into a song and he like furrowed his brows and said give me a little while to work with that and he in a day he had it written and it was one of my favorite songs that we have on the album (laughs) so I was talking earlier about Seattle and it's so fascinating because of your success and Ben DeLaCrim's success and all the burlesque culture and theater culture I just want to know what is it about Seattle that really like percolates all that and provides such awesome culture I've been thinking about this, and I don't have a great answer, um, but I can tell you a little bit about Seattle. It's like the most liberal, open-minded, hippie city you've ever visited. <laughs> um, probably only to be outdone by Portland, Oregon. or And I don't even think San Francisco is as liberal and as PC and as hippy-dippy as we are in the Northwest. But um, So I think Seattle... We we take in a lot of culture from other cities, and a lot of people visit Seattle, and a lot of people bring their stuff to Seattle, and I think that kind of started the the boom of burlesque and cabaret and drag talent that we're seeing right now in Seattle. But I really think what's great about Seattle in terms of nurturing artists is there's not a lot of people who will tell you no there because it's so liberal and it's so open minded. There's not a lot of people who are going to tell you, unless you're outright attacking another group of people or something in your show, there's no one going to tell you that your show's just stupid and no one wants to see it, you know? And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. That means I sit, I sit through a lot of crappy <laughs> pieces of art, you know? But when you see get to see all that art eventually you find these like diamonds in the rough or something and that's what the vaudevillians was you know 
I can't say that we weren't a big piece of crap at one point, but I think enough people saw the potential there. And enough, I mean, I know I definitely looked like an insane person the way I used to style myself, you know, <laughs> pre-drag race winnings. Kitty Whitless was very Hobby Lobby, like, <laughs> very, you know, pieced together. So, um, so I, uh, I think there's an, a lot of people who will encourage talent where they see it, if, even if it's a little rough around the edges and even if it needs a little bit of finessing. And that's exactly what happened for us. And I think that's what happens for a lot of artists in Seattle and in the Northwest. Well, it's a neat area, and I'm, I'm excited about visiting there uh, coming up. Another thing, and of course, this is um, our show is very much rooted in comic book mythology. And, yeah. You know, sort of. Well, I happen to be a huge nerd, not as much into comic books, but video games okay. and um, X Men, especially. Yeah. X Men, as far as comic books go, I'm like obsessed with X Men. Oh, yeah. we're, we are now BFFs. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, of our show mates that, that are not here, one of them fancies himself to be Jean Grey. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one fancies himself to be Scarlet Witch, sort of related. Uh-huh. And Pat actually has been jokingly referred to as Madeline Pryor. Oh, because awesome. even even though I love Jean Grey, uh-huh. Eric considers me his clone because I'm younger, <laughs> younger and prettier. <laughs> we won't tell him that. I'll keep that in the edit. <laughs> So in terms of like, you know, being geeky and having all these influences growing up and, and even now, who would you say are some of your like mythological influences as far as like, you know, either real or fake or real or imaginary? Who are the people or, or totems in your life that you kind of draw strength from? Well, I can tell you, I'll start with X-Men because it, it was a huge influence on me as a kid because I just love the idea that people who had something special about them could do amazing things you know i always dreamed of one day having superpowers and the superpower i always wanted was to be able to be a shapeshifter and today i think that would be the most practical superpower in my world if i could just like snap my fingers and i'm in drag you know (laughs) Um, so i definitely think both the characters of mystique and rogue had influences on me as a kid and find their way in my work these days especially rogue like just the whole like sassy smart witted southern belle you know and she's a little rough and tumble too (laughs) and then um you know i i always think of jinx if she were a greek god she would be hera you know though i think of hera as some kind of like mythological you know trophy wife milf who like (laughs) is extremely jealous and vengeful you know and then I think I think Lucille Ball constitutes as a mythological character, um, a mythological figure, and especially with the vaudevillians, I think Lucille Ball is like my number one inspiration. Like I try to pull off the same kind of command of my facial expressions as she would. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, flamers! It's me, Oral from Flame On, and drag is the new spandex. And have I got a super awesome deal for you. We are now being sponsored by AdamMail.com. That's right. You heard me. AdamMail.com. And what does that mean for you? It means that you can get up to 50% off any single item plus free shipping. You can't beat that with a stick. Or you could if you bought that stick from AdamMail.com. Enter the code FLAME at checkout for 
all of your discounts. What can you get at AdamMail.com? Gay sex toys, lube, undergear, and so much more. AdamMail.com for all of your sexy, fantastic needs. Now, this is the second time that we've gotten to meet you, obviously, with me working here for Parliament House. I've been fortunate enough to shoot your um, your shows the last two times when you've been part of the Footlight Player cast, but I've also done the meet and greet. And last time you were here in January, it was probably one of the most awesome meet and greets that I've been a part of. One, because normally when, when we do them here, they're free for everybody. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So you just come in. We get you in, you take a picture, and that's it. You get a hot second with whoever is here. Like, we just had a white party. We had um, Ben here on Friday. We had Bianca Del Rio. We had uh, Azor. Was it, was a, it was very much a stand-and-click kind of thing, right. and people would just get pushed through the line. Exactly. So when they had the Vaudevillians VIP meet and greet, the fact that it was a sit-down, you go and talk about you know what you want to talk about, take questions from the the crowd and do that kind of thing was probably the most awesome thing I've seen done here for any show that they've done. And then getting to kind of interact with you over the past couple of days here, it, it reinforced all of our opinion of you that genuine, warm, and caring. And honestly, one of the only other RuPaul's Drag Race queens that we have seen that same warmth come from was Bendel Oh, yeah. I got to spend so much time with Dela White Party Week on that Friday. Uh-huh. Super, super amazing. And it, we can definitely tell that you guys, like, we can so see how you guys could be, like, best friends and just mesh so well. But that's for those of us that get to kind of get that little insight to you. On Drag Race, on your season, we got to see, I don't want to say one dimension, but in editing, with any reality show, you get edited into a character. And we do, you know, obviously we got to see some growth because they, they had to because with you winning the season, if we just thought you were this wooden cardboard character, we'd be like, why the hell did she win? Yeah. But obviously they, they showed a bit of that, that growth and that development with the judges' critiques and everything. Yeah. But a lot of people who haven't gotten a chance to get to interact with you on this kind of level, what would you say is like the biggest thing that people should know about you or like they would be surprised to know about you that they didn't get to see on this television show. <laughs> well, that was a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a long setup. I'm I got to say the reason I think Ben and I are both the warm, genuine people you get to meet is because I think both of us, we both worked in drag communities 
for a long time before we moved to Seattle. Like I worked in Portland and she worked in Chicago. Um, Portland nowadays has a thriving kind of drag um, performance already seen, you know, like the counterculture has gotten into drag in Portland. And um, But when I was growing up there, like a 15-year-old baby drag queen, the only drag I was around and exposed to was very much the traditional pageant drag. And that was the kind of community I was raised in as a little drag baby up until about 18 or 19 when I moved to Seattle. And I just always kind of resisted that. Like I always, even though it was the community I was working in and I did compete in pageants, I won a couple pageants and I worked in pageants, but I always knew that there was like a different style of drag out there for me. And I was kind of the odd duck out, you know, when I was decisively like a kind of tacky real life woman character rather than being a you know, painted to the gods, you know, high hair wearing drag queen, which I kind of am now, but I found the way to split the balance between the original idea and the current idea, you know? And I think both Ben and I, we just kind of ran away from our drag communities. And then in Seattle, we didn't really work with other drag queens. Like I spent most of my time as a drag queen in Seattle as a cabaret performer. Ben mostly works in the burlesque scene with real women, and she's like a burlesque host and comedian. And then, um, you know, we both also have worked a lot with, um, I hosted a drag show for a while in Seattle, and she used to be my backup host. And so we both worked with a cast of drag queens that we really liked, but we kind of ran away from the communities that were more about like, this is how drag has to be done. And, you know, if you don't do it this way, then you might as well not do it at all when we had different ideas of how we wanted to do it. The biggest thing that I think that you didn't really get to see, there's two things that I wish you would have gotten to see more of on my season of Drag Race. They they really focused in on me kind of being this underdog who was being attacked by the other girls, and then I would rise above it and face the adversity. And I was, I'm not going to lie, you know, that, that happened a lot, and that's kind of what I was struggling with. But they cut out because they wanted to make me they wanted the like sweet person I naturally am to show through they were afraid that if they showed me ever standing up for myself or fighting back at least I think I don't know but I think they were afraid that if they showed me fighting back it would lose some of that but I never like attacked a queen and I never like went for their personality or their drag or anything but I did always stand up for myself And if they were saying something like, you know, you're busted and you're going to go home this week or something, I would stand up for myself and say, no, I don't think I'm going home. Here's why you're, you might be right about this, but don't forget that I just fucking won that challenge, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And I always, you know, I always stood up for myself and all the other girls say they felt that it was a shame that they didn't show me standing up for myself more often because then it really looks like it's a victim's race, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't like that. It kind of felt like everyone was pitying the victim after a while, but you know, I can't complain with the results. I can't complain (laughs) with the way everything happened. So I really don't dwell on it too much. I I love my fan base and I love the person I've gotten to be post drag race and the opportunities I've been given. So I really don't care if I may have looked like a crybaby a couple times. Um, 
But then the other thing is, you really don't get a sense. They show some of the other girls being really slutty, and then they made me like, I have a crush on Ivy, and it was all like <laughs> angels and clouds and stuff. But I'm a very sexually driven person. Like, Jinx is a cougar milf for a reason. Like, I like to flirt with boys, and especially when a guy is like, they know I'm a drag queen. They they've seen me on Drag Race and they know what I look like out of drag. They don't expect me to be a drag queen at the end of the night. Like they don't think they're gonna go to bed with a woman, you know. But when they kind of play along and they let me pretend to be like a cougar milf, like you know, seducing some little twink at the bar. Um, I don't know why, but this doesn't happen so much for me in America where people play along and like play the character of the boy getting seduced by the cougar. But in Australia, in Brisbane, Australia, there was this one nightclub I would go to and the boys would flock to me like flies. I'm so serious. There were all these boys who just wanted to sit next to me and dote on me and occasionally kiss me when no one was looking and like... And they and I was dressed like I cannot explain how much of a middle aged woman I looked like that night. <laughs> and they loved it. They were like so into the fantasy. Uh, awesome. Yeah. All right. So now that's not official. I know that you're heading out to do the reunion show. Yeah. But if you had to place a bet right now with the top four, and we're all in. The night that the episode aired, where they like got eliminated, yeah, I, 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 it was a it was a uh, very hard thing to watch. Oh, uh, I could trust me. After having just met her, I came home from working my normal night and we watching because I'm like, I can't, I can't look at Facebook, I can't look at any of that. I need to watch it for myself because I don't want to find out that somebody I want to see on the show got yeah. eliminated, and it, it was just oh, uh, it's heartbreaking. But since Dayla is out of the competition. If you had to put your your money on somebody, who would you put your money on winning this season? Well, I have to say, of the top four, I've met all of them, mm-hmm. and they are all, they are all lovely people. Yes. Yes. And I know that like Darian Lake is being painted as the like shady bitch this season, but I've met her, and she was delightful. I had a lot of fun working with her. Adore, I met one night in LA, and she was so sweet. And Courtney and I actually hung out quite a bit while I was in Australia. And I really felt a great friendship with Courtney. And then Bianca, I've only met like twice. And she is one of the most hilarious people I've ever met. And she's really real. And she just immediately, as soon as you like are starting to feel like you're friends with her, she will come at you just like she does in the show. Like she doesn't let you get away with anything. And, um, but she's so funny and so sweet and she was really nice to me. She was there hosting the show actually the night that I was crowned in New York when we found out who won and she hosted the show and she was really great to work with. And I gotta say, if I were a completely unbiased, you know, just audience member and had nothing to do with drag race, I would say it's Bianca's race to win. You know, she has done, it's the first time we've ever had a bitchy contestant who I think everyone agrees with. Because a lot of times the bitches are like being bitchy out of a place of insecurity. Um, And she's bitchy out of a place of confidence and out of a place of like trying to help her friends grow and trying, I don't know how she got so well-rounded you know, at this point in her life, but she just, she's like, she's like a very sage wise person. 
wrapped up in a really hilarious drag queen. <laughs> so the last thing that I, I, I wanted to bring up is we wanted to let you get back to uh, enjoying your, your last night here in Orlando before you head out. But you recently were part of a Kickstarter campaign yeah. for a drag documentary, Drag Becomes Him. Tell us a little bit about that just so our audience can uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, Drag Becomes Him is, it used to be a short web series that we were doing, um, me and my, one of my good friends in Seattle, Alex Berry. It all started like a year and a half before I ever went on Drag Race. Um, he, it could have been closer to two years, I don't know, it was quite a while before Drag Race. But he was commissioned to do an um, artistic video on something having to deal with the topics of gender and stepping outside of one's gender. And he filmed me getting into drag and talking about what drag means to me and what it's been throughout my life. And after Drag Race, it went viral and people just were like obsessed with this little like 10 minute YouTube video. And so he thought we should start doing more post Drag Race and compare, you know, your concepts of drag and your experiences with this like throughout the way and um, so we did it in like these little increments different times while I was going through the whole experience of drag race and then he did one right after I won and the full length documentary that we're working on now is going to include all of the web series um, kind of re-edited and reformatted and now a bunch of new content now that like I've been through everything and we started a Kickstarter and we were so, we not only met our goal, but then we met our first stretch goal. So we're actually going to be able to produce like a very technically nice looking film here. (laughs) Um, And he's doing great things. Like he's interviewing my family and my friends from where I grew up and the friends in Seattle that like helped me do drag today. And um, yeah, we're really just trying to make it as legit of a documentary as we possibly can. That's awesome. That's awesome. So is that going to get any uh, theatrical release? Are you just doing like a Netflix thing? I think we're going to shoot for the moon. I think we're going to try to take it to all the film festivals. Awesome. We're going to try for gay film festivals and LGBTQ film festivals. Festivals. <laughs> and um, Sundance, we're hoping, you know, by the end it'll be you know, accepted to Sundance. And, um, I'm sure Seattle will make some kind of deal out of it. So, and then once it's had its run with the festivals, then we'll make it into a DVD that you can find on our website. So, awesome, awesome. so let everyone know what is the website. So, you've got some merchandise. Yeah, so. it's just um, www. And that's Jinx J I N K X. I. I paid extra for the K, so you have to make sure you use it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I, I think that about covers everything that we have to talk about. Is there anything, any last things that you want to throw out there for our audience that they uh, should no. know about you or look for? Parliament House, keep booking me. I like hey, that. <laughs> oh, you are being double-billing. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, my God. Because the Seattle girls in the house. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know it's been a crazy weekend for you. So we're so happy that you took the time to talk with us. And we look forward to the next time you're back here in Orlando with us. 
Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 